You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. You said we lost him. I found you all. Thank goodness for that star. If it weren't for that star, I wouldn't have found you guys. Pretty convenient that now you can read the stars. Oh no, just that big, super bright one. I mean, it's like, blam! But I'm still gonna need directions home. Can someone write that down for me? We don't have time for this. We're going to see the Messiah. Look at us, the four wise men. We're inseparable. More like insufferable. Speaking of suffering, my feet can't take much more walking. It's been three years. We should have been home by now. You guys can blame me all day for losing those camels, but you all knew going into this that my double hitch knot needed a little work. Why don't we proceed in silence, reverent silence? in honor of the Messiah. Totally cool with that. Good. So, I was thinking about my gift. I mean, what baby needs white jade anyway, right? (laughs) We've been over this a thousand times. White jade represents his purity and goodness. The gold represents his royalty. The burning of frankincense reminds us that the aura of God is around us at all times, and the myrrh is to anoint him as king of kings. Right, 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 right. Just listen, listen. I think, I think I found a better gift. A gift that'll make everyone forget that I lost the white jade. You what? I mean, I think a gift that makes the white jade just look like nothing. A gift that's better than the white jade that I replaced. You replaced with what? The greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. Blam! Hummus! <laughs> you must be kidding. Do you mean, you must be kidding? Because <sighs> I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. Hummus is delicious, okay? And, and it's very, it's very symbolic. People unite together when they see hummus. Much like a savior. Okay, okay. This is my bad. This is on me. You guys go see the Messiah. I'll just stay here. I think that would be best. But at least you have a snack. Yeah. I just thought it just doesn't matter what we bring this little king. He doesn't need any of our gifts. I mean, you know, he's a savior. I mean, he's a He's a gift to us. Maybe I was hoping he's bigger than all my mistakes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was hoping. All right, I'll see you guys later. Why are you doing that? Because I hope he's that kind of a savior too. 
Let's go. I wish someone had some pita bread. Blam! So wasn't that a lot better than me spending about three minutes trying to get you interested in the wise men? <laughs> Giving you facts and stories. And, but have you ever wondered, like, what, why are they in this? Like this mysterious, um, intellectual, Far Eastern type, Persian, magic kind of men kind of deal. Uh, all of a sudden appear in the greatest story being told way thousands of miles away. And have you ever wondered what in the world? I, probably not because if you're like me, like it just has always been a part of the story, right? Like why would you question why are they there? Because they've just always been there. But what purpose? If we understand that as God is coming into the world to become our Savior, the nature in which he comes is also telling us so many things about who he is. This morning we, talk, we talked about you know, this idea of shepherds being in the middle of a story, the, the marginalized and the, uh, probably the, a little bit of the criminal element, the unsavory type in that culture all of a sudden are there at Christ's birth. Um, why does that happen? And, and obviously God is trying to help us understand that he tells his good news, first of all, to those who are not considered um, important in society anymore because he's trying to, to tell us that the gospel is for all people at all times in all places, right? And even those who society is kind of pushed to, this, to the margin, he cares about so much that he tells them first. Why wise men? Why, why is he balancing the scales out here and he's bringing in the creme de creme, so to speak, of, of society and is it that? And I want you to consider the fact that when we say the name Jesus, when we uh, talk about who he is, most oftentimes we refer to him in two names, do we not? Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, but most often Jesus Christ. Now, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't be a big deal if maybe you thought that was his last name, right? When he showed up to school in, in, in um, Nazareth, you know, when they got to the seas, Christ, you know, and here, present, Christ, you know, or maybe it was like a Bueller. Bueller. Some of you will follow that. But. Honestly, who he is and how he represents himself is very intentional. He is Jesus, the Christ. In the presence of wise men, these who thought about kingdoms and power plays and kings and the conditions of this world and who was going to lead this and who was going to do that. The presence of these men in the middle of this story 
are very intentionally woven to what God wants us to always be aware of. That he comes as this babe in a major who is to all people, and he is Jesus, that common name, that identify with us, the middle, into the middle of everything with us, becoming one of us so that he can then provide himself for us. And yes, but he is also at the same time Christ, the Christ. That word, that anointed one kind of meaning in the Old Testament, this designation of someone who has a specific role and purpose, that is who Jesus is. And so on this Christmas Eve, different than any other Christmas Eve service I've ever done, I'm trying to maybe not mess with your mind a little bit, but cause you to think a little bit farther than maybe we normally do. We become so hyper-focused on Jesus, our Savior, and, you know, this babe in a manger who's going to become a man who dies. And, and each one of us in, uh, understand that, that that work of Christ, that life that he gave, that he lived, that he gave, was for us. And we, we're very understanding of the individual nature of Christ coming into the world. And yet at the same time, Jesus came into the world, and in his story, he's very clear and intentional in helping us understand there's shepherds, that uh, there's an identity, son of man, but at the same time, wise men are causing, pulling us into this realization that he is also the son of God, and that he is Jesus, the Savior, and he is also at the same time Christ, the King. You know, in the Old Testament, as they were writing about the Son the, or the, the Savior, the Messiah, they were looking forward to, especially Isaiah writes those words that all of us know, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Uh, we very quickly, uh, we resonate with those words and we, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, and he was a child and he was a son and I get it. And yet, if you keep reading in those particular verses, words like this are also said. And the, gov the government, that's not a word we love anymore, right? <laughs> we don't get the warm and fuzzies when we think about government now. The government will be on his shoulders in fact, he would continue to write that of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And then verse uh, 7, I believe, begins this way. He will reign. You see, to understand Bethlehem, to understand a baby in a manger, is to understand that he is both our Savior and our King. And I am trusting that in this season that you and I are able to wrap our minds more and more around the work that God is doing, not only in our lives, but then through our lives, and, and understanding that who he was when he came was both Savior and King. And then in his coming, he begins the everlasting, eternal kingdom of God. 
that that night is more than just about you, and that's great, and me, and that's wonderful, but it is about the establishment of a new day. It's the start of the curse being reversed in this world. It's the start of truly what will become a redeemed and restored a new heaven and a new earth. You know, as as Isaiah is continuing to write in that book um, of Isaiah, 66 chapters, it's like the first 39 chapters are, um, hey, you've messed up. Uh, You've messed up. You've messed up. They've messed up. We've all messed up. And you know what, guys? God's not thrilled about that. He's a little perturbed that his creation has turned his back on him. And in his righteous and holy nature, there needs to be a sense of judgment over that. And for 39 chapters, it's just like again and again. And is this guy going to stop? Is this God going to stop? And, and it's like, is this just what we're doomed to being judged? And man, it seems like after a while, maybe he should just quit on us and just start over, right? But it's in chapter 40 of Isaiah that he does what the rest of Scripture so beautifully does. We realize that instead of starting over or, for just, or just causing us to live in a perpetual sense of judgment, that God has decided out of his love to actually fix what has become broken in us. And Isaiah begins to talk about this new thing that's going on. Uh, In fact, he would say this in verse 9, you who bring good news to Zion, that word good news is gospel. So he's already talking about there's a gospel, there's good news that's coming. And you that bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. Uh, This is a practice in that day to, to go herald good news. You need to go up and you need to You need to tell the people what I'm telling you. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, the epicenter of all of the nation's activity, go to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up, don't be afraid. You're going to look like an idiot right now, but don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. You know, what's amazing about this is this is exactly what the angels did on that night in Bethlehem. They come in and declare the same kind of message in a broken, dark, lost world that misses the fact that the Savior's born. 99.999% of the world just keeps right on living, and Jesus is born right into the middle of that. It's the angels who are gospeling good news that night as well. And this is what Isaiah said, that the one that the angels are going to sing about, the one that's going to come, this is who he is. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. The one who comes is going to have power. He is going to rule with a mighty arm. He has the ability to reward, and he also has the ability to offer recompense. 
And then he switches gears and says, listen, the one who comes is powerful. At the same time that he is mighty, he's merciful. Because he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those who have young. Isaiah is writing to help us understand that this one who comes into our world is both Savior and King. In essence, that night long ago in Bethlehem began the new kingdom of God. And we live in between the first coming of Christ the establishment of his kingdom and the process in which he is continuing to bring about his kingdom into the world and we wait for the promise of the final consummation of that kingdom. We live in this already but not yet kind of tension. I know that maybe by now you're starting to look at me and you're like, you are crazy. I look around. I turn on the news. I click on the news website. Most Maybe sometimes it's like the, you scroll on the social media. You're telling me that the kingdom of God is actually going to do work in this world. It doesn't seem any better than it was. It's been this way for a while. I think you're a little bit touched, Chip. And I would remind you that truly, when Jesus came into the world the first time, the world looked very much like it does today. And there was probably a lot of us that would sit in a room then and say, really? I don't see it. We're captive. We're slaves to Rome. Everything that we thought was going to happen has not happened. The world is not getting better. It's getting worse and worse. Evil is just absolutely thriving. There is no sense of justice. It was into that world that Christ comes the first time. What's interesting about this this chapter that Isaiah wrote about a savior and a king is it's like God himself knows that they're going to hear this and they're going to be like, really? I don't see it. And he begins he continues to write these words, and this is what I want you to grab a hold of tonight. That the writer says, hey, the king is coming. He's a savior. He's a king. He's starting a new thing. It's going to be, the government's going to rest on his shoulder, and of its government and peace, there will be no end. It's coming. And you're saying, I don't see it. And I just want to remind you that the one who is authoring this, listen to these words, is the same one that you could say, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? 
or with the breadth of his hand has marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance? Listen to this. He keeps writing, Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs islands as though they were fine dust. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his mighty power or his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Let me read these words to you. You'll recognize these words as he continues to write. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his, under, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be how many those are familiar words to us, right? You're probably in your grandma's kitchen or in your living room. Can I remind you that the context of those words are in the promised Messiah and the promised kingdom that is coming? And God, who is able to bring Christ into the world and the environment and orchestrate it perfectly in the way it was done who is able to then allow him to live and then die and, be and raise him from the dead, is the same one who then starts his church in a small room of 120 people and it explodes throughout the world, is the same one who has promised that in this kingdom that has been started, it will not fail and it will only continue to advance. Jesus said this when he told parables about the kingdom. He said it's like a, uh, the kingdom's like a little leaven in, a, in dough, in a, a, you know, um, I don't know, a loaf, loaf, that's the word, loaf. A loaf of, of bread, and you put a little yeast in it, and it's a matter of time, slowly, that the yeast permeates the bread. He said it's like a, 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 a tree. It starts as, as a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds. It's, it's nothing. You put it in the ground, and over time it becomes this huge tree that provides shelter and shade and life to animals and people. He said the kingdom of God is like that. My hope tonight for you is this. Is for you to understand that what happened that night is about you experiencing a personal Savior, but it's also the establishment of the kingdom of God that is going to never fail. And you are a part of the kingdom. And Jesus, the Savior, is also Christ, the King. I love World War II. Um, 
And every June we celebrate this day. We call it D-Day. I hope that they're still teaching about that in school. Um, But D-Day was in 1944. Why do we celebrate that day? Because World War II ended in 1945. Like, why do we celebrate a a day that was a year before we actually won the war? And if you understand the history of D-Day, you know that that was the day that uh, the Allied armies, they, they kind of put all their eggs in one basket. They pushed all their chips to the center of the table, so to speak. And they said, we're going to do this risky, bold, courageous thing. And we're going to put everything on this, that if we can accomplish this, We believe that we'll have victory. And historians will tell us that because of D-Day, even though it happened in 1944, actually it was the beginning of the end. That the day we celebrate in 1945, it happened in 1945, V-Day, Victory Day, was actually already starting to take place because of D-Day. There was a year of fighting, there was a year of advancement, there was a year of conquering, and yet... Because of D-Day, victory was already going to happen. And I want to just remind you that Christ coming into the world, it's like D-Day. And V-Day has not been yet quite experienced, but it's coming. It's inevitable. Because Christ coming into the world begins this kingdom that cannot be stopped, that cannot fail, and that will not fail. And that actually, the night, this night reminds us, Jesus the Savior, Christ the King, I get to be a part of something. I'm called to be a part of something that is uh, the purpose and plan and will of God. It started that night. I've been called to partner in it, to partner with it, to work for it, to believe in it. That what Christ started in Bethlehem is going to change the entire world. Do you believe that this evening? A few of you do. That's great. The rest of you are thinking about Christmas dinner or presents or whatever. But my hope is to rattle you a little bit, to move you out of, so often we're just focused on Jesus the Savior. It's much bigger than that. The wise men remind us it's Christ the King. Father, I pray today that you would open our hearts to this reality. That we would see ourselves bigger than the individual thing you did for us, but actually the thing that you started in this world. That as you begin the kingdom in us, it's really to advance the kingdom, to change this whole world, to create a new heaven and a new earth, to reverse all that has been done against you and to renew and restore this world to how you planned it to be. Lord, we get to taste the benefits of that through relationship with you. But you call us, you call us to see ourselves as partners in your kingdom. 
to see that the kingdom is it's a one that is growing in nature and it calls us to become a part of it, to work in it, to see and to look around us and to realize it's the kingdom that is the hope of the world and that you want to use us to advance what you started that night. Lord, help us to see you as Jesus the Savior, Christ the King. Father, we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our Savior and our King. Amen. Before we go, we want to read the story to you. Just allow you to sit and hear the words, the night that the Savior came into the world, the night that the kingdom began. It began in this way. Would you listen to these words? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I invite you to stand this, this evening and take your candle. And I'm going to begin by lighting this first candle with the Christ candle that has been lit. This candle that signifies Jesus, our Savior, Christ the King. This reality that Christ has come into the world, Jesus has come into the world 
to bring light and life. And as he does that in our lives, he calls us to look at our neighbor, our friend, our loved one, and invite them to also experience the light and life that he is. And so as we begin to light these candles, remember Jesus, our Savior, Christ the King. Thrill of hope, the 
Father, as we go from this place, just pray that the spirit of this season would capture our hearts and minds always. The reality of Jesus, the Savior, Christ, the King, would permeate everything that we do. Would you bless each family that's here? Would you help us to live in the confidence of what you've done for us, how much you love on us, how much you love us, and what you have planned ahead for us. We thank you for the gift of your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas from all of us at Lima Community. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com. Thank you.